0: welcome to part two of this out of line discussion with amanda carter gomez okay so tell me about um tell me about you was was social media thing when let's see eight years ago nine years ago so with social media were you on social media when you became a new mom I was on Facebook that was the extent of it at the time Mm -hmm. and um do you feel like social media played any role in your expectations as what motherhood would be like um any sort of expectations of, you know, how you should be talking about your first days and months as a mother?
1: I feel like at the time, Facebook, I was probably on it not uh, not a ton. I think what I did do at the time was follow a lot of, like, m- young mom blogs. Mm. Um, and by young, I mean, like, you know, um, women who are having, you know, babies in their, you know, mid to late 20s or, like, 30, early thirties. Um, so that's who I, I think I, I I did do that a lot. And I think that probably that comparison of what that looks like for them was a lot.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, and so what about now? What about you as a mother? Are your kids aware of social media? Do you talk to them about it at all?
1: Well, no, we don't talk about it much. They don't have phones or anything of that nature. Um, my eight-year-old has gotten to the point where now he's like, "Don't, don't put that on. Don't put that on Instagram or don't put that on Facebook." But we don't really show them. And, and he goes through phases with that. But I'll take. <laughs> we'll show them pictures of them, or uh-huh. I'll show them a picture of them that I shared. But they don't. They don't use it. Um, we don't even. We're kind of a, and it's not because I like have. I'm like, we're like a tech free home. We're not, we just aren't like techie people. So we don't even own an iPad. So my children don't have a ton of exposure to stuff like this. I mean, we have a TV and they love to watch movies or, you know, um, things of that nature, but we just, I think they're kind of oblivious. And I think I remember Winslow, I say this, he's oblivious, but he did write a persuasive essay at the end of second grade. Asking for a phone, uh, telling him that he would go play outside more if he had one, oh, and he would read more
0: <laughs> if he my had a phone.
1: God, yeah, which is so. Also- <laughs> So he's definitely aware of it, but I also express to them that there is going to be such a small portion of their life where they are not going to be connected to technology and that I want to preserve that for as long as possible for them, because once they do become connected, it's just, it's a different way of living. Hmm. And so I'm conscious about trying to just like hold off as long as possible.
0: Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what about, what about screen time in general? Do you have, do you have boundaries or rules, things that they, yeah.
1: We do. We have a movie night. Friday nights are movie night. We don't really do. I mean, summertime. I'm a little more lax because I like there are certain things that my older son and I love watching. So you think you can dance together? (laughs) So we do watch that. Um, (laughs) Okay. And we have like a movie night on Friday nights, but we don't do. We have you know one TV in our home. Um, We did get my son, uh, my oldest son, got some video games for the first time for Christmas, and it was. It's just like all the old school stuff that I grew up, you know, it's like, it's a Nintendo that has the original super Mario brothers on it. Mm. Donkey Kong, <laughs> Kirby, those things. And he's got it. And now he plays it maybe once a month.
0: Okay. So,
1: um, yeah. So we just, I think maybe because his parents don't have habits that are around it. Cause it's not a huge interest for us. We've never been the video game people. Um, we've never had cable uh, ever since we've been together for 17 years so um, so yeah it's not a huge part of their lives now Winslow they're definitely fascinated by it for sure Mm. I mean but um, but it's not not to like a crazy extent and we try really hard like we're not we don't do like technology when we go out to eat or anything like that Mm. they can bring their own books if they want but usually they're at a point now where they enjoy just being out to eat that's so great that's I feel like that's so rare (laughs) It seems oh, like thanks. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, and that was, it's not like I was our, yeah, I think just, I don't know. I feel like technology is so prevalent now that I'm really grateful that I didn't grow up with it.
0: Mm, same. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine no. if we had like Instagram feeds from middle school to
1: deal with? No, no, no. Or college <laughs> or high school. Like there, I, I had made some seriously bad choices in my life and I am so grateful that they <laughs> were not... <laughs> publicly shared.
0: Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> incredible. Um, what about do you and your husband talk about it together? Do you make decisions like any intentional choices together about, you know, we will be okay with this, we won't be okay with this. whether you guys are posting your kids, you know, on Instagram or talking about their lives or your life as parents are there are there kind of guidelines that you've agreed on together?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've just, personally, I've always been somebody who's never been like the, the face of my brand, the brand that I work with. So I feel like what I share on my personal Instagram, um, I share my stories. If Winslow says something really charming or Hawthorne does more, what I think is cute and charming, then I will share that. But I make sure Winslow is okay with that. Hawthorne is, doesn't really care. He's just much more of a carefree kid and doesn't really understand. He's like, he just turned four. So the concept is a little bit, but, um, you know, I Matt and I've talked to my husband, all of my husband's things are private. He just shares pictures of our kids. He doesn't really share stories typically. Um, and the, the things that I, I, I don't share much about my personal life on the site that I run. And if I do, it's my story and not my kids. They've mm-hmm. just gotten to an age where I feel like, especially Winslow is going to be, you know, in third grade this year. I feel like he, he gets to decide what he wants public and what he wants to share mm-hmm. um, about himself for that part. I mean, you know, hey, first day of school pictures, you know, things like that. Um but but personal stories are things that he talks about that, you know, feel private to him, I, I would not personally share. Mm-hmm. Mm mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah. I, I find it so fascinating because, you know, we have some friends Um, Like you and I have, uh, you know, a friend who like doesn't post her children's faces anywhere on the Internet. So there's lots of like backs of heads and shoes and things like that um, that show up in what, you know, gets posted. But then there are some people who are the opposite extreme where like their children are in paid Instagram campaigns on a daily basis, and there's everything in between. So I just think it's, especially since technology is so new for their generation, for the, you know, the littles, the ones who are four or five, six, you know, 10 years old, um, it's so interesting to hear how parents are choosing to talk about social media, use technology. um, And yeah, I I find it really fascinating um, to just kind of hear experiences and choices with, with parenting. So it's kind of juicy.
1: Yeah. Well, and I have, um, you know, uh, my children are both rather, I mean, um, again, how it's life for, but Winslow is, um, he emotes, like he's in a, he's a child that like, you know, is very in touch with his emotions. And so I guess, I would for me, I don't want to share something that he in like a few years would be embarrassed about. Like I don't mm. want him. I want I want to like honor that part of him. I gotta I hope he stays in touch with it like for the rest of his life because I think it's a gift for him. But I also don't want him to ever be self-conscious about it. Mm. So, um, and again, like to be honest there are people we know, yes, whose careers are based off of what they share with their family and their families are inspiring to people and they provide examples of how to be a parent or a teacher. And like, that is, that is not me. And Mm so I, so I have that, that flexibility, you know, my livelihood doesn't depend on my children um, right now. So, you know, for people who do like, you know, you've got to make the choices that work best for your family and your family's dynamics. Yeah. Um, So,
0: yeah cool. Um, all right. So last three questions. I have a partner for my first year of podcasting, which by the way is almost up and I can't believe it. I'm literally, this is episode 48. Um, and I have no idea how that many weeks of my life have gone by, but that's a side note. Um, well, anyway, congratulations. and I can't believe you've done 48
1: episodes in almost a year. That's impressive.
0: I mean, a I need an app and so does yeah. Jaden because he's amazing and supports so much. So, that's a that's a whole separate conversation. Um but forward has been amazing to work with and just believing in me from the beginning and they're all about risks and that's why they took a risk on me, which is so amazing. Um but I want to know for you if when it comes to let like we've been talking about postpartum depression, we've been talking about motherhood, we've been talking about social media, can you think of Like, what is a risky thing for a mother to do these days when it comes to social media? Um, And it could be something like just being honest and sharing their experience and, and like, the, you know, imperfections of it. But can you think of what what does it look like to take a risk um, on social media or in your real life as a mother these days?
1: And are we talking about positive risks, I'm assuming?
0: I mean... (laughs) Yeah, like dangling your
1: baby out the Uh, window type of risk. Well,
0: I mean, that is a risk. So yeah, let's say like, let's say like creative, bold, stretch yourself for a positive reason. Yeah, let's, we'll put positive risk on it.
1: Um, I think women who are open to sharing their untraditional birth experiences with regards to like how they got pregnant, like the, like the the conception aspect. Um, And I um, sharing stories. Actually, this is someone you and I both know who recently had a child at the, her first baby at the age of 41. And she inspired me to create a series on the fold actually about talking about motherhood beyond the age of 40. Um, cause she was so hesitant to tell people that she was pregnant because everything she read online terrified her. Mm. All the stories that she read about women who were like that, that age range, 40 and beyond having children, Uh, for the first time or second time were really scary. And that was like very opposite of the experience I had in my personal life. I know a lot of women who have had really beautiful experiences in their pregnancies um, and delivering children after the age of 40. So I think women that can, whatever it is in your new unique situation, women who talk about um, raising children with special needs or, um, you know, having an unconventional path in motherhood whatever that looks like for them I always find that really brave and awesome mm, I love that yep that's some good stuff
0: and and I think the more people speak up about their unconventional paths the more that we'll all realize that they're actually a little bit more conventional than than we we thought mm-hmm. you know there are more mm-hmm. of us that are in it there are more of us that are doing that thing than what we thought um and and Absolutely. it's' Yeah, it's so empowering to just hear someone's story and be like, oh, you too? I thought it was only me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that. Um, And I can't wait to read your series because there are so many, so many moms that are having kids in their 40s. I mean, even my mom had my, she had two kids at 40 and 42. Um, And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um and you know, amazing and brave and but but it's like I think they what do they call them like high-risk geriatric pregnancies or something like that where yes. it's just like thank yes. you. Thank you yes. so much <laughs> for that label. Um like seriously, don't even get me started. But anyway, um that's that's so that's amazing. I love it. And uh, oh, I can't wait yeah. to read the series. Um Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. now, now, Okay. (laughs) You back to you, um, you and self-care. Do you have a routine Mm -hmm. showing up for yourself?
1: Oh, I do. You know, I, um, right now my routine is, I, I, I have had acupuncture in my life in some way, shape or form since three years for 12 years now. And that's just, um, it is so healing and beneficial to me more than massage and, um, just different practices. So I try to get that as often as I can. Um, currently I have insurance that covers it. I always like encourage people if that's anything that's of interest to them to see if they have, um, preventative care coverage, cause that can be really great and financially much more viable. Mm. Um, I do meditate when I can, and that can be like once every three months, or if I get on a kick, it's like three times a week. It just goes in ebbs and flows, but I do feel better when I do it. Um, and I do yoga. Mm. So how often, nothing, um, maybe once a week. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's I, I try to make, if I could do it more, I would, but right now it's about once a week, I would say, and it's, I go on Sunday morning. So it feels like a really nice way to start my week. Mm. Um, sometimes if I can do Thursdays, I'll do that as well. But usually on average it's, it's once a week. And I also, I run too. So that's been a big thing for me is running and, and having a community of women I can run with, mm. um, that has been really like life changing actually. Like the the running community, I have friends um probably both to who do like these, you know, really crazy races, like ultra marathons, hundred miles, all these things. Oh my and gosh. um and I think, you know, the community that you create in those spaces and with doing those sort of sports with people, it's kind of amazing. They become a second family. And not that I've done anything that extreme. But I've had like really rad women to run with and you have time and you talk and you work through stuff and it's really awesome. How often do you you run? Um, I try to do two or three times a week.
0: Okay. Well, just so you know, if I ran, I would not be able to talk in the middle of that.
1: <laughs> but you, I would talk to you, and you could. Just
0: listen. Oh, okay, okay. I could
1: listen <laughs> yeah, barely, right. maybe. Um, or like being with somebody. I mean, and this has been when I mean I'm not like i I'm, I'm not like some sort of you know, awesome. I just run three to five miles. Like it just depends on the day, but sometimes I'm the person asking a lot of questions because I can't talk very much. <laughs> um, or sometimes I'm the person that's, you know, talking just depends. But I think if, whether it's walking, just like I get like these, I didn't used to be, I'm not a big like joiner, like club person. I didn't, you know, didn't play team sports growing up. Maybe that's why, but, um, I get that community that you get, comes from that. I, I understand that more now, but I've done this sort of like running with small groups of women and friends. Mm. I love it. Um, mm.
0: And what about what about the last question? And I ask everyone, and mm-hmm. I want to know... Um, What's what's an angle that you would take if you were gonna if you were gonna be in a room and meet someone that you're like oh my gosh this person and I are so different like we're as we're like as night and day as could possibly you could possibly imagine we have nothing in common um you know let's say you're in a room of all different people that are all totally different and you're all different ages and you know nationalities and all sorts of different things what's one thing that you'd be like well we all share this we all whether it's a physical thing, a mental thing, whether it's just a, you know, like what's one belief that you have that we all have in common?
1: Oh, I think we all want to be heard. Mm. You know, whatever your story is, everyone wants to hear it. So I I mean, you want to feel heard, whatever your truth is, I guess. So um, even if it's somebody's truth, you don't want to hear. (laughs) I think that everyone has, you know, the majority of people have like some really like there's something in there that you can relate to. There is something that we, there are things that we all have in common, you know, like you were saying, and I think that that's like the desire to be heard or the desire to just be seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, we can, it's easy to dismiss people who are so different from us. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people I too, and from a very conservative area of the the world, the the country. And so sometimes there are people that whose views and really upset me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've also known these people since childhood, and I know that there are really good qualities in them too.
0: Mm. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing your story and your time, and um, for inspiring all of us. Um, where where can we find you? Well, thank you for
1: having me. And you can find me at the Fold, thefoldmag.com.
0: Foldmag.com. All right, my love. Well, thank you so much. And, um, let me know next time you're in LA and we'll, we'll catch up.
1: That would be great. I would love it.
0: All right, my love take care. You've been listening to out of line with Caroline Lee. Tweet me at Team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on Instagram using Out of Line Podcast and let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season.